0: Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of LifeHouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Uh, just as you're seated there, would you help me receive our, our guest speaker? This just a... God is using them. He speaks, you know, in different conferences. He did a great job at the men's conference that our our network had not too long ago. And then last night, God used them powerfully. I know he has a word from God, from God to you. Would you help me receive Pastor Chris Skos? Would you help me? And the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. Good morning.
1: Come on now. That's so good. Hey, before I go ahead and get started with uh, whatever we're going to talk about today, I believe that there's some things that are for you, that it's not an accident that you're here. Uh, do me a favor. Can we just honor your lead pastor, Pastor Saul and his family? Come on, give it up for him. Let's honor, credible lead pastor. Telling you, you guys want got one of the best in the world. I'm not just saying that because he's paying for lunch for me later, okay? Like, I'm, I mean it. I mean it. One of the best communicators, best leaders I have I think I've known Pastor Saul now for over 9, 10 years. I, I, when I was 21, I think I met you, and I still look 21. I'm just going to be honest. It's okay. Um, but just incredible, and just thank you for allowing me to have an opportunity to speak into your house. The privilege of being behind this pulpit. The leaders that have preached on this stage and to be able to be part of what God is doing here, I'm just so grateful for you. And how many know? Not only he's one of the best lead pastors, but he's like the tallest Hispanic lead pastor you've ever met. Come on, like like they all look like me. Let's just right. And but I'm 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 trying to get to your level physically and spiritually. Okay, okay, good. Well, hey, I'm just incredibly grateful to share. Last night was off the hook. Hopefully your young people loved it. If I said anything I wasn't supposed to, blame it on the other Pastor Saul, okay? And, um, you know, but I think it was awesome time. That was a joke, by the way. You could have laughed at that, but I guess it was a bad one, so it's cool. And, um, but I'm just super excited to share this morning and um, just an incredible weekend. I really believe that, um, just to speak into Pastor Saul's vision as he was sharing those five core values and vision, uh, Keith moments that that we are going for in this house and you are going for in this house um, I believe that this year we can see that like never before in speaking in regards to the theme I love the theme that we are sharing on this month and as we're continuing that whole idea of finding your edge and how many know that now more than ever before we need Christians people who would follow Jesus that aren't dull and boring come on now right now more than ever, God wants to use us in a sharp way, in a strategic way, in, an, in a in a surgical way to reach people that maybe you would have never thought would be reached. And that idea of reaching the lost and keeping the gener, keeping the next generation in multiplication. And I believe that God is positioning this house to see that like never before. But it is up to us to own up to engage with what heaven is trying to tell us. And I believe it is so key that we have series and moments like these, Sunday mornings and conversations like these, because it allows us to position our heart so that way we can say, God, whatever you'd want to do in my life, you can do in my life. You can have it your way with me. And so today I'm going to be continuing that conversation. I believe that today is a sharpening conversation. And today we're going to talk about the habit of relationships. Come on now. We going to talk about relationships. And this is what I believe. I believe that before we get into the passage, um, the word that I kind of got from the Lord this morning, as I was kind of getting ready, I shared this earlier in the, in the second service and now be able to share with you all in the third is how many have heard that scripture before that iron sharpens iron. Okay. Like four people. Let's try it again. How many iron sharpens iron? Come on now. I'm about to say, like, all you men that go to men's groups should be shouting me down, because that's like, it's on every Christian men's t-shirt, let's be honest, okay? Iron sharpens iron, and this is what I believe, that God wants to sharpen you today. God wants to identify the iron in your life, because you need some iron to keep your edge sharp, but I believe he also today wants to Reveal to you and highlight the wood in your life. Because how many of you know that although iron sharpens the blade, wood makes it dull. And that God would want to begin to sharpen us so that we can be the most effective, the most influential for him in whatever capacity or sphere of influence that we have. And so that's the task that I feel that God's been giving me today. And I believe that God wants to bring and highlight some things that would begin to spark something real in your life to see that begin to take place. So let's go ahead and go to the book of Romans chapter 12. It's been the passage that we have been on in this series, and I want to kind of speak into this passage, Romans chapter 12, I'm going to go to verse 1 and 2, and we're going to end the ESV version, so if you're like, man, that's not the same on the notes, I changed it, it's my fault, okay, so we're going to go ESV, Romans 12, 1 to 2, and it says this, it says, I appeal, appeal to you, right, Paul is talking to the Roman church, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed. Everybody say conformed. Don't do that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this house. Thank you for the leadership of this place. Thank you for the years, God, that you have moved weekend to week out. And God, for the incredible honor and privilege to be part of a house like this in this moment. And so, God, I pray you would speak through me. I pray that your voice would be louder than my words and that I would get out of the way and you would begin to shift hearts and minds to go deeper with you. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Good stuff. And so today, let's talk about relationships. And I love this quote by a guy named Dean Sherman. It was a guy that I learned from when I was, uh, I did a season where I was a missionary for a couple of years. And he says this, he says, every problem we have in this earth is a relationship problem. And come on now, ain't that the truth? Some of y'all, let's be honest, you survived Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. Because we all got it, right? We all got relationship issues. We all got the people in our life. Let's be real. We got that cousin that's like, oh, that cousin. We got that niece. We got that nephew. We got that person. And and oftentimes what I have learned in, in pastoring and even just trying to follow Jesus as I've been trying to follow Jesus these years and going after God, I have learned that some of the greatest tensions of my life have come from relationships. Can someone say amen in the room? Let's be real, whether it's from a boss, a manager, uh, your spouse, whatever. Relationships bring tension. Relationships bring kind of like an awkwardness at time. And, and relationships can be very stressful, and there could be some things in them. However, here's what I have learned, that the very thing that causes you stress and the very thing that might cause you anxiety and worry is actually the very thing that Jesus will use to begin to heal your life. I know people and especially in my church, that when COVID hit, come on, let me talk to the introverts in the room. Y'all were like, thank you, Jesus. I don't got to go in the office. Thank you, God. I don't got to see that person this week, right? And listen, I I know this because I'm the same way. Can can I be honest with you? And I couldn't really communicate this in the last service because I don't know Spanish at all. And so I try to help the translator. And um, I was just like, that's not going to work. So I didn't say this, but I... Stand on this stage today as a pastor who loves people, who leads people, who preaches the gospel. I want to let you know, I didn't like people. <laughs> Amen, Pastor So. <laughs> still, still, right? I did it. I am a confessing, like, not like, a, like an alcoholic, but like, kind of like that. Like, I did not like people. I did not like people. I did not like people because people hurt me. I did not like people because they let me down. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. Um, and, and then just bottom line, let's be real. People, like, are annoying. Like, sometimes, right? Like, come on, they have the devil. The devil. Like, it's all of hell in them. I grew up with four siblings, so, like, it just keeps, right? You grew up in a big family, and it's just Chaos. And I, and I say that because I don't speak from a place you know you just find those people like oh, I have people in my life so my previous lead pastor who's like a father in my life, his name's Eric Baca. I believe he came here a few years ago and preached on a Sunday Eric Baca just loves people so well it's like weird you ever meet people that just love people Like they just love and some of you are like looking at people don't do that don't don't be like that's you don't do that like That they just love people. Like, that's Eric Bakker. He just loves people. He likes hanging out with them. He likes talking to them. He likes spending time with them. And I'm just like, bro, how do you do it? I don't even know. And so for me, I think this hits home dearly because what I had to learn is I had to unlearn this thought that I was the church in myself. Because that's a lie from the enemy. The church is not a building. The church is a people. But we are the church together, not the church separate. And so I thought as a young person, as long as I'm the church and I'm good and it's me and Jesus, everything's fine. And I don't need anybody else. And the truth is, that's a lie. God will begin to call us deeper. And what the enemy will try to do will isolate us from relationships. Because if he can isolate us from relationships, it will begin to begin to stop and halt what actually God wants to do in our life. And so as a self-confessed person that didn't like people, I can honestly say I love people today. But it was a journey that God had to take me through. And not only do I love them, I kind of like them now too, okay? We have to get there. Because I want to give you this quote that I believe is so for today. And then I'm going to share a little bit about my story because I mentioned that. I want to tie it in. That God heals our spirit with encounter. Amen? So the Bible says you were dead in your sin. That before you knew Jesus, your spirit was dead and by through the blood of Jesus, this is the gospel, by the blood of Jesus and the resurrection through the Holy Spirit, that the same way that the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, he raised your spirit from the dead. And so how many of you in the room can testify, can shout, can worship Jesus for a minute that you knew that you were once dead and now you're alive? Come on. That you knew who you used to be. You were broken. You were jacked up. You were screwed up. You had more issues than tissues. But God decided to do something in your life. He healed you. He rescued you. And he set you free. And like how it says in Luke 15, your son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, and now he's alive. Come on. Anybody in the house? And so God's spirit, encounter, altar calls, prayer, worship, Healed your spirit. It revived you from the dead. But can I tell you, this is the way the kingdom operates, and I don't know why, but it just does. God will heal your spirit with his presence, but God will heal your soul with his people. And so let me explain through that. So growing up in my life, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know God. I, I didn't, I, I, when I first went to church, I was 12 years old when I first got saved. And family, I didn't know where Genesis was. I remember being there on a Sunday morning and my pastor was like, turn to the book of Genesis. And I was like, table of contents, here we go. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And I just want to speak to that because Pastor Solo talked about the mission of Jesus and reaching the lost. There are young people today. There are people out there on those streets that have no idea who Jesus is, even in Bakersfield. We are living in a day and age where we have unreached people in America. I was one of them. I had no idea of the gospel. I went to church one time when I was seven years old at a harvest festival, and some kid needed me in the bounce house. Big old Coscaron, black eye, bam, right there. Big old one, bam. And I was like, I don't like these church people. They, they, they messed me up. And obviously look at me like I don't look like a fighter. I just like went and like cried to my grandma, okay? Never went to church. Got encountered by Jesus radically at 12 years old. Met God in my bedroom. My dad was in prison, got saved in prison. My dad got saved, saved. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know when you get saved, like lift your hand and say a prayer, which I believe is valid, but then you get saved, saved, like the Holy Ghost rocks you and you can't, take an, you can't talk in English and you just talk in tongues for two weeks? That's what happened to my dad. He got saved, saved, rocked by God in a prison cell. Started preaching the gospel to me over the phone. He started telling me about this guy named Jesus. I told him, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Jesus? Cause I grew up in LA and you don't say Jesus like Jesus. You can't, you say it, Jesus, so let's just be honest, right? I'm just being real. And he's like, no, I'm not talking about a guy in my cell. I'm talking about God. He starts telling me about God. And then at 12 years old, I'm yelling at God in my bedroom. I'm a self-proclaimed atheist at 12 years old, bitter, broken, hurting, orphan. My dad is in prison. My mom left me. I'm adopted by my grandparents. I've been through the ringer, been to shelter, to shelter. Remember, I was talking to my father-in-law on the way here, sleeping in cars, not knowing where maybe I was going to live, not knowing what was happening in my life, moved place to place, didn't have my parents, adopted by the grace of God by my grandma and my aunt, and at 12 years old, as a self-proclaimed atheist, cursing God out, I don't recommend you do that, okay? Cussing God out and God in my bedroom in East LA encounters me, says, Chris, you don't know what you're talking about. I love you. And it's been 18 years this summer that God has completely transformed my life. (laughs) Haven't looked back, man. First person in my family, I was telling this story, young people that has followed Jesus my last name, the first man in my family that has gotten married and is going to stay married. The first, my son is the first scoes to ever be raised in the Lord. First, first scoes man to be raised in the Lord. Credible stuff. God can do miracles. But here's the journey. I got saved at 12 and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all out. I'm, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm going after God. I love him. Like, come on, you don't know talk about when God just, He wins your heart, man. He does it. I want you to know for some of you who haven't let God do that yet, there is no one like Jesus. There is no love like him. There is no one that can heal you. There is no one that can be there. There's there's nothing like this God that we're talking about. He wins my heart. But just because I'm saved, I'm still dealing with all the trauma of my past. And so let me give you an example. My dad gets saved in prison. And then he ends up going back and forth into the world. And so for years, I I grew up, for example, not just without a father, but without a mother as well. And and I lived my life broken and messed up and and hurting. And and I remember I would try to come to church and I I was just like, God, fix me. God, fix me of this pain. God, fix me of this brokenness. God, fix me of this depression. God, fix me of this fear of people. I didn't trust anyone. I couldn't care for anyone. I didn't love anyone because of the history of my past. And what God needed to do, and he actually used the church that I'm now pastoring in, God, what he wanted to do, what he needed to do, wasn't just have a good altar call with me, but what God needed to do was send me a father that would love me like my father didn't. Can I tell you this, that blood is thicker than water? We know that. Some of you were raised in that context where you, people would say, well, blood's thicker than water. You gotta be close to your family. But I came to tell you today that the spirit is thicker than blood that God will design it. He designed it in his gospel that you were supposed to be part of a church family, a spiritual family. And this spiritual family is not just for your benefit, but it's for others' benefit as well. And it's so that way God can bring holistic healing so that with the emotional capacity, the trauma, the issues, the things you deal in your life, God can heal it. And the way he's going to heal it is not just through moments with God and the presence of God, but he's going to bring people in your life. Thank God for my father-in-law who's come with me to this weekend and who's sitting in the front. And men like Eric Baca and other people that have loved on me. And, and God has used them to heal the brokenness of my life. So relationships are so pivotal. Because here's the reality. That with the right relationships, God will propel you farther than you've ever gone. But with the wrong relationships, you will end up isolated, trapped, and it will get in the way of what Jesus wants to do in your life. The wrong relationships might not question your salvation, but it will question your level of discipleship and your level of influence and what God wants to do in your calling. And so I want to talk to you about these relationships. And I want to kind of break it down a little bit in this Romans verse. You find in Romans 12, Paul says this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. We've already read it but he talks about these three things. He talks about how present your bodies as a living sacrifice for spiritual worship and the renewing of your mind, okay? Body, soul, and spirit. Everybody say body, soul, and spirit. You have a body, physical body, and we all know how we need to get healthy in a physical body. Come on now, some of y'all been fasting. You look good. I don't know if you told your neighbor, you look good that you lost five pounds. Come on now. Right? You got to go to the gym, you got to work out, you got it right? That's, you, there, there is biblical principles to understand how to make sure your body's healthy. There's biblical principles to make sure how to understand your spirit is healthy. Worship, prayer, the presence of God, all that stuff. Things we've been talking about these last few weeks, these habits that God has formed in us. But to make your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions healthy, ooh, it's relationships. It's the very thing that we don't want to do, but God says we have to do. And Why? even though it's chaotic, and even though it could feel there's tension, oh, it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. You want to heal? You want to let God heal the orphanness in your heart? I'm just speaking for myself. God needed to heal the orphan spirit in me by sending me fathers in the church, by sending me friends. See, growing up, I even Went to, to 16 schools by the time I graduated high school. I went to more school than grades. Can you believe that? That's crazy. I just hopped around. I remember my first grade year, I went to four schools. Isn't that, like, that's just ridiculous. Like, who was doing that? And, and it's because I grew up with drug addict parents. And so when you grow up with drug addict parents, they either pick the drugs or the ran, and sometimes they pick the drugs. The longest place I ever lived in before living in Lathrop, I lived in Lathrop for 10 years now, was in Whittier area, LA area, I lived there for two and a half to three years, the longest place I ever lived. I remember one time I was pastoring a kid, for example, in my youth group, and he ever, ever meet someone who's lived in the same house their whole life? It's weird. At least for me, it was. He shows me his room. He's like 17. And he's like, has his posters and he has all his stuff. And I was like, bro, he he was like, yeah, I was pretty much like born in this bedroom. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, and I was like, this is so weird because I didn't, I didn't know what that's like. So I had no friends. I had no family. That's why this message embody. I feel like I. I, I'm not trying to embody it, but but it, it penetrates me so hard because I've seen what God can do through relationships through the context of the local church that propel me I stand on this stage today not someone that's gifted or not someone that's talented or not someone that's just called although I think those things by the grace of God that I am I stand on this stage today because of the people that invested in my life and that begin to God begin to use to do a deep work. In me I want you to know that you are here today not just because you just accidentally showed up but God is maneuvering things he is moving in invisibly in your life and he is going to set people in your path that will propel you further than you've ever gone and so let's talk about it how do we have relationships that are healthy How do we have relationships that allow us to go deeper in our following of Jesus and not grow further? How do we allow the relationships in our life to begin to actually influence us so that God can have all of us and not just some of us? Because that's the goal. The goal is not to find friends for funsies. We're not a social club. If you wanted to do that, you can find another Facebook group. The goal is that these relationships allow us to go deeper in our walk with Jesus so that we can accomplish the mission of Jesus on the earth. It's always about him. It's always going to be about him, and he is always going to be at the center of it. This is what we're doing. If we're not doing that, what are we doing, right? And so how do we begin to design these relationships? Number one, the idea of nurturing. What do you nurture? I I explained this a little earlier that oftentimes the relationships in our life are based on proximity and not intentionality. What do I mean by that? My son is five. He's the like cutest kid ever. I know every preacher says that, but he's like pretty up there. Like nine out of 10 for sure, okay? I'll give him one down just to be humble, but he's pretty there. My daughter, we're C, she's still growing. We'll see how she comes out. I'm just gonna be real, okay? But she's still cute too. And my, my son, I don't know if you have a five-year-old. I don't know if you got a little guy. I got a five-year-old. And my son has a new best friend every month. And he's homeschooled, so they're all church kids. Right? But if your kids, some of you have this, where he comes home and he's like, dad, dad, I have this new, my son, we we went to Disneyland like, like three weeks ago for my birthday. And I don't know why, but five-year-olds know when there's other five-year-olds. It's like a spider sense. Like it just starts tingling. We're at the hotel and he sees a little kid and here goes my son because my son's very confident. He's like a little version of me. I'm just going to be honest. He's really loud. He talks a lot. That's my son, okay? And he just go run to him and he goes, hey, my name's Adok. Are you five? And he's like, yeah, I'm five. We should be best friends. Just the other day, he was like, hey, you remember that kid I met at the hotel? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I want to invite him to my birthday. I'm like, bro, you don't even know him. Because oftentimes with my son, The only reason why he's making friends is based on proximity. It's not because he wants to make intentional relationship. He's only given the relationships that are around him. And the question I would have for you in this regards to this point of nurturing is are you in relationships by default, not by intentionality? Oh, come on now. Are you in relationships because, well, I just grew up next to them and they were on my block all year. Or, right, come on, like, they. I just grew up, they were, they were on the block, we were all the block kids, or, you know, I had this, friend. and I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but can I tell you, whatever you feed, you'll grow. I'm gonna say that one more time. Whatever you feed, you'll grow. Let me say that one more time. Whatever you feed, you'll grow. And why did I say that three times? Because some of us are feeding the wrong thing. You are putting time and effort, and resources into a relationship that you're not supposed to. And some of you are not putting enough time, and energy, and resources in the relationships you are supposed to have. We need to nurture the right relationships. We need to feed. We need to be intentional about the people In our lives. It cannot just be by default. We have to ask the Lord, who do you want in my life? Who's been speaking into my life? Who are you? Who are you using, God? And then I want to invest in that. I believe I have a good marriage. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I just believe my marriage is pretty good. I've also pastored some people that have some pretty toxic marriages, so it kind of works out. And I grew up in toxicity, so it's cool. But here's the thing: my marriage isn't great because all of a sudden we decided to have a good marriage. No, my marriage is good because I found other couples who have great marriages. And some of us need to let our pride down and be humble and just learn from other people. What are we nurturing? What are we pouring into? What are we investing into? Number two, I believe this is a year where God wants to restore broken relationships. See here, I know this house carries this DNA, but for us at Thrive, we have this thing we believe that God has given us the grace for prodigals. That's our mission. People that are, knew Jesus and now are far away from Jesus and need to come home. Every Sunday, we talk about prodigals. Every prayer meeting, we pray for prodigals. It's just our thing. And I don't know, maybe God will change it in a couple of years, but that's our thing. Even today, I was just hearing from my, my, my staff and everyone who's running it, that, 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 that the moment broke out where they were praying for prodigals in the service. It's just what we do. Because we believe that God can restore anything. I believe when you begin to buy into the lie that God is not in the restoration business, you begin to worship a God that's not real and it's a God in your mind. If you're gonna worship the God in the Bible, if we're gonna fall in love with the Jesus who rescued our hearts, we have to know that if God can restore the brokenness in us, then God can restore the brokenness in others. We have to be a people that constantly believe that God is in the restoration and the transformation business and not just dealing with people business. And so I believe that this year, God can restore broken relationships. And maybe it was your fault. Maybe it was their fault. I don't know. Right? Come on. Let's be real. Sometimes we always like to blame other people. But let's be real. It was you. You did some things. Right? You did some things. You said some things you weren't supposed to do. And I believe wholeheartedly that God would begin to teach us on the inside. And, and, and really, for me, I think what this point is important is you need to let God heal you in this season. That's why we're talking about this, because God needs to get some people in your life that will begin the healing process. Because it doesn't matter if God is going to try to restore a relationship that's broken with someone that's broken, and you're not healthy. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to mix. You're all just going to fight again. Some of y'all like fought for some dumb stuff. Let's be real. Can God deliver us from pettiness? Come on now. Can God deliver the church from pettiness? Can He deliver us? Can he, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm preaching to myself. Can God give me a purity in heart that I would see people the way God sees them, and believe that if God can do it in me, then God can do it in, in them. And then, and then, can I just, can I just, can I just be prophetic for a minute? Can I believe that this is the year that marriages that are broken get restored in this house like never before? Can I believe that this is the year where your son who's not home is coming back home this year to see and encounter Jesus? You know what makes me excited about that altar call, that picture we saw a little while ago about the United Night yesterday? It was powerful. But you know what makes me excited when I see that is I believe that's the barely the beginning of what God wants to do in this house. I believe two, three hundred, awesome. We celebrate it and that's amazing. But can we vision higher? Can we believe that this house is crowded with young people and you can't even fill it because God's bringing prodigals home? Can we believe that God is restoring marriages and families and relationships like never before? And can I tell you that if we're gonna allow God to restore, then He needs to do it in us before He does it in others. Restoration. Restoration. Number three, Ooh, come on, let's go into it. Number three is sever. Some of us, maybe some of you, God's calling you to restore mended relationships. But number three, maybe some of you need to cut some relationships in your life. Come on now. Here's what I've learned that oftentimes we Christianize our compromise. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We Christianize our compromise. Some of you need to stop going to the barbecue and turning up. I'm just going to be honest. Stop it. Some of you need to get a dumb phone. Real talk. Some of you need need to delete some numbers. Some of you need to unfollow some people on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Some of you need to stop going to things you're not supposed to. And why do I say we Christianize it? Because this is what we've done. We'll say, oh, well, I'm just reaching them. I'm just loving them. I'm doing what Jesus did. Let me tell you that, yes, Jesus went to broken homes. He hung out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. He got down and dirty with the lowest people of society. He got down in the dirt of people who are in sin and in shame and in guilt. But here's the deal. Jesus never was influenced by the lost. He always was the one that influenced them. And next thing you know, I, and I've seen it because it's happened in my church, people are all like, well, you know, I'm just going to hang out with my family. And you know, like one beer's cool and then two beer's cool and then three beer's cool. And the next thing you know, you pounded the whole six pack and all of your integrity is shot and you feel like you can't go to worship and you feel like you're just gonna miss church on Sunday because, you know, I can't even talk to Jesus and I don't wanna feel the conviction and da-da-da. And next thing you know, you're in a habitual sin cycle, not because the enemy's working in your life, but it's because you are letting people that aren't supposed to allow that level of influence in your life and that level of influence and if you would just sever that relationship then maybe God can have all of you and not some of you because I don't know if you know that that God wants all of you and not some of you Jesus did not die to put you on layaway come on some of y'all remember the Kmart days Lay away on Christmas. I'll make payments. When the Bible says Jesus paid it, he paid it in full. When he said it was finished, it means he signed the receipt to say that the payment was done. And God is not interested in having some of you. He's interested in having all of you. And if he's going to have all of you, it might need to happen where there's some relationships in your life that you need to sever. Girl, you need to cut it. Young man, you need to cut it. And this is what it could feel like. It could feel like, imagine if Jesus is over here and I'm just over here trying to go after Jesus and and I'm trying to pursue God and and I'm trying to, and and I take three steps forward and then it feels like there's a tug of war and it feels like my life, someone is pulling me back constantly. And, And I think sometimes we think that on one side, it's God and another side, it's the devil. And the devil's just pulling me. The devil's just pulling me. But in all reality, it's not even the devil. The devil is kicking back and it's actually friends that you call friends that aren't really friends and they're pulling you back and can I tell you, the solution isn't just to blame the devil. The solution is to cut the rope. We got to sever relationships. Now, I'm not saying you have to be mean to them. I'm just saying don't go to tacos with them no more. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to be rude and disrespectful. I'm just saying don't give them a place in your heart that only God deserves. Listen, don't let their toxicity... Don't let their compromise become the condition of your hearts. Sometimes the best way to follow Jesus and say yes is by saying no. Saying no to the things of this world. Saying no to the people that you know are bringing you down. Young people, let me just talk to the, if you're under 40, we'll just define it as that, okay? Not saying if you're over 40 you're old, but just follow me, okay? Delete the number, y'all. Just do it. If you see him at Target, cool. You can still give him a hug, but delete the number. Sever it. Cut some unhealthy stuff in your life. Because God is not interested in toxicity. And here's the reality. God has won your heart, right? We sing that song, Champion. God will go to war against any idol that will get in the way of him. I'm telling you that right now. He will do it, and He will not stop. This is, this is, I I really feel this, I I keep hitting it because I really feel this is from the Holy Spirit. Even as I like was driving down, I really felt the Holy Ghost really wanted me to hit this moment for some of us because some of you, you would be so much further in your walk with Jesus and your depth, but you allow other toxic relationships that are beginning to mess with it. And I just feel like God's saying, now's the time, you gotta stop. No more. In grace and love, No more. And number four, and I'm going to close, is initiate. Is initiate. We got to initiate some relationships. We got to initiate. I want you to know the reason why you have the grace to initiate relationships that are healthy is because God initiated a relationship with you. The Bible says in 1 John that before we loved him, he first loved us. I want you to know that God has always been the initiator. God has always been the one pursuing you. But now, I believe, is the season where you have to pursue God. And I believe for some of us, even the reason why our relationships aren't working in our life. If you're like going down the list, I would just like think of all the close people in your life. And if you're going down the list right now and you're like toxic, 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 toxic toxic. Maybe it's because your relationship with Jesus is toxic because you haven't fully surrendered your life to him. If you're the person that's toxic, I believe God can change everything. Why not? Why not? I believe that. I've met some, some, some of, some of the best leaders were once the most toxic people. All throughout the Bible, some of the, some of the most broken people became the greatest people that God used But what needed to happen is they had to go after Jesus. They had to initiate. And so two things. One, some of us need to initiate our relationship with God like never before. Some of us need to stop waiting for God to do something. And we need to allow Jesus to completely win our heart. And we're going to go after Jesus again. God, I believe, wants to stir up hunger in the body of Christ like never before. I believe there needs to be hunger and expectation, right? Matthew 5. Blessed are those for hunger that hunger and thirst for righteousness will they will be filled, right? Matthew chapter 6. Those who seek the kingdom of God is first and everything else after. There is something about initiation. There is something about drive and passion. And I believe today that God would give you the drive and passion to pursue him like never before. I believe that in that moment, in these moments of talking about it, God would begin to instill it and deposit it. And from that place of following Jesus, God will begin to lead you to the right people. Some of us need to stop being scared to join a group because of our past and initiate the moment. Some of us need to just sign up. And I can say that because we do groups in my church too. So I have this conversation with my people all the time. Some of us need to just sign up. It doesn't matter if Hermana like so-and-so like didn't give you a discount on the burrito. I don't know what happened five years ago. Like shut it down. I don't care that they stole your pencil in Sunday school. I don't care that they didn't follow you back on Instagram. Join the group, jump on a team, initiate relationships. Don't just be the person that's always like, I need people to check on me. I need people to check on me. I need people to check on me. Because can I tell you the healthiest people own their own healthiness and don't expect people to take care of them. Hospitals and hospice are two different things. The church is a hospital that will help heal you, but it's it's not a hospice where it's just gonna let you die. It's not the function of what we're called to do. We need to just step out man just try it just say hi to someone that you don't know and that's okay and hey people are people and if they don't like you just go to the next person God will work with them but we cannot stay idle we cannot stay idle because when we stay idle complacency begins to sit in. And when complacency gets to set in, apathy begins to sit in. And next thing you know, especially in this generation, we have been given permission to not care about anything. Come on. I don't know about you. It drives me nuts that young people go to school in pajamas. <laughs> like I remember, okay, like Fridays you wore sweats and Crocs. Cool. And let's be honest, not everyone really wore Crocs. I don't know how that came back. That came back from the grave, like how Jesus came back. I'm just saying, Crocs were ugly with a capital U. (laughs) I remember, yeah, maybe you went to school once or twice in sweats, but like first day of school, come on, y'all, you had the outfit ready. Shoo, you were going to look fly. It wasn't even picture day, but you needed a flex from your summer clothes. And these kids now, they be going in Crocs and sweatpants with their, with their hair in a bun the first day of school, man. We live in a generation that it's okay to not care, and I want to tell you that that's not okay. That's not a biblical thing. You need to care about your health. You need to care about your life. You need to care about your relationship with Jesus. You need to care about your calling. You need to care about the people in your circle. You need to have passion. You need to initiate. God is wanting to move, but He's waiting on you to make some moves. He's waiting on you to go after Him. He's not just going to do it for you. He wants to see if you're all in the way He's called you to be all in. Can we just believe today that in these next few minutes before we close... That Holy Spirit wants to talk to us in a deep way and begin to do some things inside our heart? Can we believe that in these next few minutes, that I believe without a shadow of a doubt, that the Holy Spirit is beginning to move and speak in such a real way? that it would begin to challenge us, that this message wouldn't just be a good message that tickled our ears on Sunday, but it would change our Monday and begin to set us on a trajectory of encounter and breakthrough and miracles and the supernatural power and presence and favor of God the rest of the year. Can we believe that in these moments, you would say, God, yes, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Do what you need to do in my life so that way I can follow you to the capacity that I am called to follow you. Do me a favor, stand to your feet, everyone in the room. And I wanna do this real fast. I wanna do this before I'm, I, I, let, I let you go and I'll hand it to the campus pastor and the, and the leadership of this house. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I have two questions for you. The first question is this, if you're in this room and you would say, Pastor Chris, I don't know Jesus. You talked about a God, I don't know. But you know what, after hearing your story, I'll give him a shot. If God can do that in you, then maybe God can do that in me. Because I'll tell you, none of your relationships in your life will work unless your relationship with Jesus is working. I'll tell you that right now. And so if that's you, and you're saying, I need to get right with God. I need to give my heart to God. I need to restore my relationship with God. Maybe you're here, and it's been a long time since you've been in church. And you're like, you know what? I need to get right. I need to start this thing again. Do me a favor. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody in the room. It doesn't matter how old, how young you are. Come on, all over the room. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand, do me a favor. Just keep your hand up. It's just a sign to show to Jesus, I'm here. That's it. That's all we're doing. That's all. Repeat after me. And hey, family in the house, why don't we do it together? So that way we do it as a family. Say this, Jesus, I need you. You can have all of me. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again and one day you're coming back and today i'm sorry for everything i've done i'm sorry for the sins i've made but from this day forward i decide that i will follow you and i will go after you and that you can have all of me in jesus name amen amen come on can we just give it up for what god did in the room real quick come on hey now second question i know i'm gonna make you do two i'm sorry go bow your heads down one more time i promise it's not catholic church just do one more time okay come on (laughs) hey i think god wants to have that sever conversation with you in your heart can i tell you the only way you're going to sever a relationship in your life is you got to sever it in your heart first I believe God gives the grace to let go we need to surrender our relationships with Jesus so this is what we're gonna do if you would be in here and you would say you know what pastor Chris I don't give my relationships to God I haven't surrendered all of them some of them maybe but I haven't surrendered all of them but I need to I need to I need to surrender all my relationships to Jesus if that's you and you know there's some relationships you need to sever. There's some relationships you need to cut. There's some things you need to break off your life. There's some things that God needs to do and do some surgery in you again. And you know that you need to trust. Maybe you're just in the room and you're like, I need to trust God in a deeper way. I need to trust God in a deeper way in this season. If that's you, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how old or young, just lift up your hand. Come on, just lift up your hand. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. All over the room. Hey, can you do me a favor? Meet me in the front real fast. Come on, just come up to the front. Come on, meet me in the front. Meet me in the front. We're not gonna do the one, two, three count. I'm just gonna go with it. Let's do it. Meet me in the front. Come on, meet me in the front. 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 Just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. And there's a reason. I'm gonna explain why we're gonna do it this way. I felt like, Holy Spirit, we need to do this this way. Come on. There was like way more of you. Trust me, no one cares. Come to the front. No one cares. This is you and Jesus. This is you and Jesus. If you know you need to trust the Lord in a deeper way, if you know there's some relationships you need to sever, come on, come on, come on, come on. Just come to the front. If you're in the balcony and you need to come to the front, come to the front. Just come up, scoot up a little bit more. Come on, let's make some room. Let's make some room. Come on now, come on. And even if you just accepted Jesus and you want to come to the front and just worship for a few minutes, that's fine too. Come up to the front, come up to the front, come up to the front. Okay, here's the deal. As people are coming up, I want to explain why I feel like this is important to do, and then I'm going to hand it off. The altar in the Bible, that's what this area is at our church and and this church, the altar area. This is called the altar. The altar was known as a place where things died. Okay? Where things were given to God in worship. And I believe what you need to do in this moment is give that broken, toxic, unhealthy relationship to the Lord. So there's something about coming to the altar As a metaphoric sign as a as an allegorical sign to say Jesus in this prophetic moment I am giving this toxic relationship to you I'm cutting it out I'm gonna take this serious I'm not playing games no more this is my year to follow you and have nothing hold me back so do me a favor everybody in the house close your eyes and lift up their hands come on I'm gonna pray for you we're gonna worship for a little bit and let God do what he needs to do. If he needs to work in your heart, if you need to cry, you need to go to your knees, you need to do whatever, do it. But let's pray. And I believe as we pray, the Holy Spirit is be gonna sweep through the room. So Jesus, right now. Jesus, right now. I ask you that you would come. I ask that you would speak. And God, I pray for the grace for forgiveness and to let go. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us a deeper level of trust. And God, we surrender our relationships with you. God, we're not saying that we hate these people. We're not saying that we're angry with these people. Some of it, it might be. But God, I pray that in this moment, it would not be out of anger and out of wrath, but it would be out of your grace and your power, Holy Spirit, that we would begin to sever and cut the ties that are toxic in our life. We say that you would be the only one that has all authority in our heart, that you would be the only one that has all authority in our life and in these next few minutes as we worship do me a favor repeat after me and then we're going to go right into worship say this Jesus you can have all of me all of my heart all of my mind all of my soul and all of my relationships I give them to you in this moment in Jesus name
0: Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey that will lead you to know God better, grow together and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.